Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And so glad that you are joining us. And we are now in session two of kind of a three-session discussion that we're doing around the idea of deconstruction. And I have Old Testament, New Testament, biblical, Greek, Hebrew, theology Man, you got to work really hard to come up with these. Mark, uh, one day we'll do a 25-week podcast on eschatology, what the Bible says about Revelation and Mark, he'll just lead that out. We look forward to that. Probably maybe start in the spring. Uh, Does that sound good? 25 uh, 10-second sessions. <laughs> Dude, I expect a whole session on each one of the bold judgments. Anyway, Mark, the uh, executive pastor at, the, at our church and a really, really good friend is here with us. And we're talking about deconstruction. And we talked a little bit kind of about the academic origins of that word. But really what we're talking about is people who at one point, maybe just grew up with a Christian faith or were a part of the Christian faith. And because of some incident or moment of reflection, start to think maybe the things that I thought I believed or have always believed, maybe I don't really believe them. Maybe I just inherited those things and they were never really mine. They were mine, but now I don't want them anymore. And so just the idea of I'm building a house and now I'm deconstructing it. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, that it can often come from, you know, just kind of exposure to different types of people who are, who think differently and they turn out to be better people than we thought, social, political issues, or maybe just kind of just general damage that people within a church could do. And so what we're going to talk today is kind of like, you know, whatever the presenting issue was, whatever the thing that started, it, 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 it typically moves from... I wish the church were less involved in politics. I wish the church were nicer. And then it begins to start to question kind of some of the, we'll just say some of the, the theological beliefs that may or may not be central to Christianity, but are certainly a part of Christianity. People start to kind of throw off some theological issues, biblical issues. And so I can start a lot of different places. And so, Mark, I just kind of for you, like as as you've interacted with you with other people, or just maybe in your own heart, what are some of these theological issues that can typically be, I don't know, traps or triggers for people to think maybe I need to start reevaluating my belief system? Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, government, and um, I've heard a lot of uh, those political topics, especially the last few years, have sure. brought up a lot of questions. You know, what we do with our military and mm. war, I've heard that quite a bit. Sexuality for sure has been, you know, something that has caused a lot of concern. I mean, man, honestly, the, the biggest one that I seem to have conversations on, uh, it, it's somewhere around Jesus being uh, exclusive. That mm. okay. That the way to God through Jesus only is, uh, is, that, is that really? Is it, is it really right. only this? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I could. I guess we did. We did. We did talk about this a little bit. We did a. We did a. I did did a series on this back in the fall. But I could really get distracted by saying this. But I'm just trying to say it and then just move on. That I really believe that the evangelical church making a decision to completely intertwine itself with the Republican Party is really kind of been a major springboard for all of this. Because a, a secular political party that has as its primary goals the acquisition and maintenance of its own power, 
once you start a sta- a, tying yourself that closely to a power structure, there's just there's just going to be a, a whole bunch of inevitable problems. And so I, I do I do think that that is a that is a big one for a lot of people, and I think it's really important. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, what can you do to kind of what would it look like in your life if you say, "Hey, no man, I'm a Republican." I was like, "Okay, be a Republican, I guess." But what if you just like, "I am a Christian who votes Republican," as opposed to, "I am a Republican. I am a Christian Republican." What if we just made it less about our identity and more about our voting preferences? I think would be a huge step forward. And I, I said I was just mm. going to say it and move on, and then I gave a little speech. Mm. Okay, so we will, we'll, we'll move on from that. I also think, again, I think there's some social issues too that are tied into the church. I mean, I think, like you said, sexuality. What does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? What does the Bible mm-hmm. say about premarital sex? What does the Bible say about homosexual relationships? You know, because then you can, you can phrase it, you can phrase it in such a way that is very appealing. Why would God be upset or concerned about the way, about, about who I love? Like that somehow God's going to be angry or upset with someone or judge someone or send someone to hell just simply based on who they love. Which, if you're going to make, a, if you're going to make an argument, is a, is, a, is a really, that's a very powerful way to frame that argument, but I think it often starts that way. And a, very, and a, and a, and a similar, similar type of issue um, that can be framed that way can often be around, and I've had this multiple times, is, is the church's historical view on how much leadership can a woman have in a church? Can a woman be a lead pastor? Can a woman be an elder? Those kinds of things. And then, it, and then the, again, the phrasing of that is, is very similar. Why would God restrict me just based on who, uh, how I was born, that I was born a woman? And so it really does, it seems like those, those types of issues too that really do interface with the trends of where our culture is really strongly moving away from what is very often called patriarchy and moving away from a, a more biblical worldview of sex, sexuality, and marriage and those kinds of things. It's when the, yeah, our, we're like, there's a pressure, I think, that we feel to kind of to move that direction, and those so those things become the first domino to fall. Mm. And so then I asked, so then I asked this question. Okay, so those those are issues, and the Bible does have thoughts on those. I mean, the Bible doesn't say nothing. The Bible says something on those issues. The question is, and I just asked this for you, and this is kind of risky. I guess we should have planned this a little bit more because you may say the wrong thing, and I get Isaac to edit it out. <laughs> You're just wrong. Um, are these major issues, or is it like are these are the kind of things? It's like okay, if if you're not with us on this, you're out. What do you think, man? I think the things that are major, the Bible majors on. And like you just said, some uh, there's there's answers to some of these topics, but many of them, the you know, the bow is not nice and neat. Hmm. It's just not that that clean or. There's some breadcrumbs, but it's not it's not all the way. And so as someone has taken it and tried to make it a nice, neat bow, or has tried to finish the the thing that the Bible intentionally leaves some some distance there, it's usually in that in that last part. You know, the Bible went 80%. It's that right. last 20% that we began to infer, well, then if it's this and this and this, then it then it also means that. Right. That's where most of the error takes place. 
And so us de- uh, disagreeing on the on that twenty percent is just if it was a major deal. I, I always kind of feel like, well, if it was if it was that major, God would have made it that clear, you know? Right. The things that are major that he he went one hundred and ten percent to make ultra you know ultra clear. <laughs> right. For sure. I never said ultra clear before. Ultra clear. I, I just I realized like that was, a, that was, a, new, that was got, a new term. It's was, like super <laughs> duper ultra extra clear. I mean, it can't get any clearer. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, Goodness it's, gracious. it's, it's like the window isn't even there. That's, that's right. It's so clear. As, as you're, as you're sitting there saying that, right? Like I was thinking like, there's the principles that the, that the Bible gives us, which very often are not necessarily a hundred percent clear or even ultra clear about how we are to apply them in our particular context. And we may even agree on the principle, but we're not, we we struggle with, we disagree on the implementation of it. And so then again, that's where we fight, not really even on what the Bible says, but how do I take what I believe the Bible says and fit it into our current situation? Right. Here's the thing I think really frustrates me. And and, And I see it in our, our world at large and especially in our American political culture. And again, because we are now, we have, we've, we made a decision 40 years ago to closely align ourselves with the political structure as a church. It is definitely a part of our church culture too, which is the inability to agree to disagree. And so, you know, the Grove is a church that, you know, has believes that the Bible says, you know, that there are some ways in which leadership positions for women, women are supposed to be, it's, it's, it's limited a little bit, but we work really, really hard to say, hey, to not make that bigger than what it needs to be. And to we try to, even in that context, to empower women very well and to give them leadership roles that the Bible doesn't restrict. But then there are people, even in our church, who think that there should be no limits and I know that I know pastors of other churches that disagree with that and have women pastors. I know churches that have women lead pastors. And there's a part of like I, I want to, hey, let's just let's just be let's just be friends anyway. Why is that so difficult? Why 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 why, why do we struggle with that, do you think? <laughs> you know, I wish I had a really good answer to that. I, I don't understand why the lines have to be so, so drawn. I think all of us, hopefully all of us, I know, I know I for sure have had friendships my whole life where there are areas that it's, you know, we, we disagree on it and, and that's okay. I don't know that I know anybody that agrees about everything with me, even my, my closest peoples, you know, maybe it's when we, when we get to these topics, we feel like God has spoken and we have God's you know, God's answer. And so now you're not disagreeing with me or disagreeing with, with God or my, my understanding of who he is. And because I'm so bought in that it, that I've got the right one. Right. Now, when you say something that's kind of wacky to me, right. it's not wacky to you, but it's wacky to me. Then, um, you know, I, I was actually in a conversation a couple of years ago with a, with a friend that, uh, I mentioned something about, a a Mormon friend, another friend. And, I, I said it in a way like, man, can you believe that, that this friend believes this? And my other friend corrected me like, well, you believe some pretty crazy stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's true. I, you know, I, I just, but I, I realized that I, 
I I take my things and I just I I don't have any room for for you to say something different because then I feel like you're challenging what what I believe instead of just allowing you to to have some space. Yeah, we've lost our ability to and I've said this probably on this podcast probably two or three times. I, I say it all the time that we we don't have the ability to distinguish between a major theological issue and a minor one and we really don't have the ability to even distinguish between a minor theological issue and just a practical choice, right? So it's like, hey, you know, our, you know, our pastor wears blue jeans. It's not a theological issue. That is a, it's just a stylistic choice. But if you go to the principle, well, God is holy and because he is holy, he is separate and he therefore deserves our finest and our best, then to dress down is to offend the holiness of God, which is a theological issue. And if now we're talking about the very character and nature of God, then it's a major theological issue. So you can go straight from pastor <laughs> wears jeans to, you know, you are disgracing the God that you say that you worship. And, you know, and, and again, like you said, any minor theological issue can come. I can say, well, the Bible says this though. So you're disagreeing with the Bible. Therefore, you don't believe the Bible. Therefore, yep. and now it escalates really, and really, it escalates really quickly. And, and I think, and here's the attitude that I've always wanted to have, and I think is really important for us as we're interacting with people who are struggling with their faith or beginning to disagree with things that your particular church comes up with, believes or does, that they may decide that it is such a big issue. What the church believes about sexuality is such a big issue. What the church believes about the differences between men and women, especially as it has to do with leadership. That I believe that they believe it is such a big deal that I I, I cannot go to your church anymore. Right. There's, nothing, there's nothing I can do about that, but there is something I can do. I'm not going to be the one that says that. I'm right. not going to be the one that looks at you and says, because you disagree with me on this issue or these 8% of things or this 15% of things or whatever, I, I, we, we, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you can't be with me. And I remember saying this, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story here too. I remember saying this to a couple, a homosexual couple that was married, and they asked me what I thought about it. And I, I tried to affirm them and, and how God made them, but then also said that God's, God has said that sex is between a man and woman in the context of marriage. And I remember looking at them and I said, I understand why you would want to go to a church where the pastor 100% believes and affirms in everything that you're doing. I understand that. It will make me mad. But know this, I want to be your pastor as long as you'll let me. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that if we could, add, even, even in a world that is highly combative and we've kind of incorporated that into the church, I feel like if we could just somehow, what if we just decided not to play along? And, and they're, not going to leave, they're not going to leave our church because we were combative with them. Because we told them, because then what you're doing then is you're telling somebody that it's not okay to question or to to struggle or to yeah it assumes that that you have all of your things together and they got some things that aren't together and it's not okay not to be completely put together which to me honestly is so if we're going to talk about interpreting the bible correctly and looking at the gospels i mean jesus was the one that was the friend of those somehow he sat at the table and got called out for sitting at the table and and not doing this very thing Right. He, he he was the one that that did include that did you know 
there is a line and you're maybe across that line, but I still love you and I still accept you and I'm still at the table having dinner with you. And it was the, it was the other group, the Pharisees that were the ones that were drawing definite lines and calling and saying, this is right. And this is wrong. And you're on that side and I'm on this side. And so we can't, we can't have fellowship together (laughs) because you are not like, you don't believe the same thing that I believe. You're not doing life the same way that I'm doing it. And my way is right. And your way is wrong. Isn't it crazy that Jesus has modeled this for us? Right. And the people who seem most excited about interpreting the Bible correctly miss this very critical main theme. This isn't one of the side issues. This this is one of the main themes. Yeah. And, and not just with, with, with the people who are quote sinners, but also, like you said, being able to bring that sort of attitude to someone who is just struggling, who's just confused, who's asking good questions. I mean, Jesus loved a good question. Oh yeah. A, a good seeker, um, someone who who didn't understand. I mean, he had he had some words to say for the Pharisees, but those were people who thought they had it all figured out and were trying to trick him. But the people who just legitimately didn't didn't understand or were questioning or were struggling. I mean, I, I just, it break it breaks my heart to think that we would take someone who is struggling or walking away and and as on like as they're on their way out the door, we just kind of give them a good kick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How dare you? Right. How, how, but, I, I mean, I don't want to get psychological here, but I think there is just a sense in which, like, we take it all very personally. You, you now no longer believe that the Bible is inerrant. You no longer believe that the Bible is the word of God. You no longer believe what the Bible says about sex. And that is a rejection of me. I mean, I'm not the one that, I'm not the one that said, I mean, I, I guess yeah. I did say it. I mean, I, I did say it at some point, right? I mean, I've I've repeated it. You know, it's 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 not personal. This is this is a struggle that they are having in their own heart, and they're wrestling with some things. They're trying to figure out who God is to them and and how they relate to Him. And again, we, we use these words like struggle and question. I mean, those those are the kinds of things that really should evoke empathy with us. Mm-hmm. And I can't say this enough times. Someone else's struggle, someone else's sin, someone else's problem, someone's lack of belief, someone's questioning, but whatever it is, it should never make us angry. It should make us sad. Mm-hmm. It should make us. It should make us feel compassion. But again, like it's we 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 get locked into this. This is what I believe, and this is my team, and then this kind of with me or against me. So give me some advice. Give somebody some advice. We got somebody out there who is very much in the my way or the highway kind of thing. Um, give them give them some tips on how to not be like that. <laughs> how to not mm-hmm. be that, yep. that person. Well, I, I mean, I was even going to say, um, you know, struggle is one way. I've actually had a lot of friends that when they began to question, I, uh, in my own heart, felt like that was the, the best thing. Almost, a, almost an answer to prayer for me because... Taking it serious enough to question it was a, was a positive move. You know, we've talked about this some post-COVID and there's a lot of folks out there that are trying to decide, is this, is this church thing something I want to be a part of? Right. And that's, I, I see that as net, net positive because just doing the thing that you're supposed to do because you were told you were supposed to do it and you've always done it and that's what you do on Sundays isn't what Jesus asked from us. Right. So to question it. And then, and then also, uh, my own faith to believe that God is big enough 
God is big enough for someone to ask questions and to seek. And he'll reveal himself. He says, seek, and he'll show himself to you. And I just believe that he's big enough. So even to me, encouraging the seeking. But so that if someone disagrees with the the place that that I am, that you know, that I've gone through for, through my own journey, yeah, I want to give them the freedom to be able to do that. And uh mm-hmm. and and to know for sure, it feels to me like the worst thing that I can do is to cut off that lifeline to ask me questions. Right. I mean, I, I want to leave that lifeline, you know, way, that door way open where as they're doing, as they're going about the journey, I'm, I'm here. Right. If you got a question or if, man, if there's a new book that you've read that you found some truth in, please share it with me. I want to read it too. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a seeker of truth, you know, along with you, I'm a seeker of truth. Now, this is, this is what I've discovered is true. And so I would love to share with you about that. But man, you... I'm also continuing to seek. So let's, let's be on the journey together instead of sending them out by themselves, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if part of the definition of evangelical Christianity is, is that being a Christian is about a personal decision of faith as opposed to something you're born into or just kind of corporate involvement means you're like, it is about a personal decision. You're interacting with someone who maybe inherited a faith and are trying to figure out if it's personal, if this, I want to accept it personally. Like, okay, that's, that's a necessary step to the journey. You know, and I'm old enough now to have two adultish daughters who at various times over the last four or five years have been asking those kinds of questions. And it, it can't, it can't feel, especially if you're a pastor, it can feel that more than it can feel personal. Yeah. Feel very personal. It's not just a rejection of, faith it's a rejection of family it can feel like but it's but is it like you said it's an essential step it's an essential step in the journey and so if kind of where you guys you know to kind of sum up kind of this middle piece of the trilogy here of mark and i's discussion on this if you are if you are someone who is deconstructing questioning asking some things i want you to walk away from this thinking that we love you we care about you we empathize with where you are we want to contribute to a healthier exchange of ideas and we do not think of questioning or deconstructing or wondering or doubting or even chunking stuff, right? Um, that somehow, that, that we want you to feel loved and supported in that. And for the people who, man, you're just trying to, maybe just trying to figure out how to interact with people like that. I just really do. I hope that you will have more of a open-handed kind of, open-hearted mind to people and just really love them where they're at. And again, to get out of this all or nothing, my team, my way or the highway kind of mentality. And we will wrap this up in our next session where we're just kind of spend some time just kind of talking about, well, if we deconstruct, what are we supposed to rebuild it with? Which is kind of the theme of this series that we're going to do. What, what are the things? Like if I were going to look to somebody who's like, I'm not sure, I, I, I reject this, I reject this, I reject this. And they get rid of everything. Like, what are the essentials? Like, what are the things you're talking to somebody who really is like, I'm not sure I have faith anymore or want to be associated with this faith anymore. What are the kinds of issue? Like, well, how do we help re- help people like that rebuild? Kind of what are those things we talk about? So we'll wrap that up that way. Mar- uh, Mark, thanks for joining us Absolutely. again. Thank you all of you for listening and being a part. And um, again, I would just encourage you, if you are listening and you're not connected to The Grove, go to thegrovechurch.org. 
slash connect. There's a form that you can fill out. And if you're local, you can join us on a Sunday morning. If you're not, you can stream with us and connect with us that way. Either way, we'd love to know that you're listening. And again, thank you for being a part of the Cultivate Podcast.